Hello everyone, welcome to Church Online. We are so excited to be joining us for church today. Uh, wherever you're tuning in from, maybe you're at home, maybe you're at the cottage, uh, wherever you are, we're so happy that you're joining us for church today. My name is Victoria Betker, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church together with my husband, Luke, and we pastor together with Brandon and Emma Richardson. And we just wanna extend a warm welcome. Uh, maybe you're tuning in for the first time, or maybe you've been tuning in for a while, but you haven't connected with us as a church yet. We would love for you to fill out our Connect card. It's gonna pop up if you're tuning in for it, for one of our uh, our service times in the chat here, uh, or you can go to our website and fill that out because we wanna to get to know you. Uh, we wanna answer any questions you might have and just connect with you. We also have an invite button coming up in our uh, chat right now if you're watching at one of our service times. And you can invite your friends and family to join us. It's never been easier to join us for church. So we would love for you to invite your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors to join us for church today. But hey, we're gonna take some time as we always do in all of our services and start with worship. So why don't you stand up, move around, make some space and let's get ready to worship. Come on church, we sing arise. Arise my soul, remember this, He took my sin and He buried it, no longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up see the light No, I won't boast But in the cross That saved my soul All else is lost The grip of fear no hold of me So Elodin Where is your sting? No longer I who live Now Jesus lives in me For I was dead in sin But I woke up to see the light All for his glory. Oh, all of this for your glory. Oh, all of this for your glory. Oh, all of this for your glory. Thank you. 
You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Give of mercy. Oh, man. 
incredible worship team for leading us this this morning this afternoon whenever you are tuning in for we're also going to continue now in uh, in praying for for different prayer requests that are coming throughout the throughout the week uh, we're a church that believe in the power of prayer we believe that God is more than able to 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 meet our needs and he loves us and he cares for us so I'm gonna read out the prayer requests some of the prayer requests that have come in throughout the week we're praying for for someone and, and their boyfriend who are writing their real estate exam we're praying for someone who recently lost her husband. We're praying for the provision of finances for someone so they can complete their spring semester and degree. We're praying for someone who's selling their house so they can find the right buyers and for God's timing and direction. We're also praying for direction and wisdom for someone who's thinking of a career change. Praying for someone who is struggling with their marriage, that there will be healing within their relationship. We're also praying for someone's brother who's struggling with a drug addic addiction. Why don't you join me in praying? Why don't you reach out a hand to, to the screen, to the TV, wherever you are, just as a sign that you are in agreement with this prayer. God, we thank you uh, that you are a good Father, God. We pray for every single prayer request that have been submitted and every single prayer request that is just represented by the people that are, are tuning in for, for church today, God. I pray that you will begin to move in each and every single situation, that you will um, just break addictions in Jesus' name, that you will provide healing and restoration with the marriages that are struggling, God. We pray for direction and guidance and wisdom, God. We thank you that we can trust your timing. And we just pray that you will begin to move in each and every single situation. We already are thanking 
thanking you in advance for what you are about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We also take time every week to read out the praise report so we get to celebrate together as a church family and be encouraged by the praise reports that are come in. This week, someone is thankful that their friend has been sober for two months now. Come on, that's amazing. Someone is thankful for the support they have received through their Connect group. We love Connect groups here at Slate Church. They're small groups that meet throughout the week just to have community together and to, to do life together. We love our Connect group. Someone is thankful for uh, restrictions slowly lifting and to be able to see more friends and family. Definitely thankful for that. Someone is thankful for the leadership here at Slate Church and all they have done during this season. So much to be thankful for. And hey, I wanna encourage you to submit your, your prayer requests and your praise reports. You can go to slatechurch.com slash prayer and do that. We would love to pray with you for whatever need you have in your life. And we also would love to praise God with you for the praise reports in your life. Well, hey, why don't you take a moment right now and just send someone a text. Let them know that you are thinking of them. Say hi to them. Uh, maybe turn around and say hi to the people that you're tuning in for this service with uh, and, and just give them a quick hello. And we're actually gonna take some time right now to continue in our worship when it comes to our generosity and our tithes and offering. And to encourage us in that, I'm gonna welcome our Pastor Jared. Hey, let's jump into the Bible. Galatians 6 verse nine, it says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This verse has been so encouraging to me because it's easy to become weary in doing good when you don't get to see the harvest that comes from your good. And oftentimes I find that with my finances. As I release my finances back to God, it's not always obvious to me what he's doing with them or the harvest that's being reaped. So it's easy to grow weary in that. But I wanna encourage you today, just because you can't see what God is doing doesn't mean he's not doing something in that situation. It's like camping. Everybody's camping. If you're not camping, you're talking about camping. We're always talking about camping, 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 camping. But listen, it's like a tent, right? When you go camping, you have your tent. Before you go to bed, you check your tent to see if there's anything inside. Sometimes you just poke your head in. When you poke your head in, there's a raccoon. You see that right away, you gotta get that raccoon out of there. Squirrel, whatever, it's obvious, you gotta get that out. Sometimes you poke your head in and you think that there's nothing there but you go to bed and you find that your tent is full of ants. And now you didn't see that, but it was still obviously there. And it's like what God is doing as we continue to be obedient. Sometimes we can see the good in the harvest, sometimes we don't, but either way, it doesn't mean that God isn't moving in that. So I wanna encourage you today, continue to do good, to continue to be obedient in your finances, continue to release to God. Don't grow weary in doing good because in due time, there'll be a harvest if you don't give up. Let's pray for our giving today. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to give to your church, God, that we actually get to, uh, to fund the work that you're doing here on earth. God, I pray that as we give, that you would multiply it and that you would do with it more than we could ever do. God, I pray that you would bless this and that you would bless those who give, God, that you would continue to remind us that you are still working in our finances in each situation, whether we see it or we don't. We love you and ask all of this in your name, amen. Well, hey, there's a couple of things I just wanna highlight for you that's happening here at Slate Church in the next couple of weeks. The first thing I wanna highlight for you is our new summer service times. So we have two services happening at 9 and 10.30 a.m. And then after that, it's gonna be on demand on our YouTube page for you to tune in 
whenever works best for you. Uh, later in the day, later in the week, we would love to, for you to tune in for our services uh, in, in the midst of enjoying summer. We know the summer is an awesome time to be able to enjoy the beautiful weather, but you also get to lean into what's happening here at church. The second thing I wanna highlight is our summer school. This is something we're bringing back from previous years, which has been super uh, exciting for us as a church. We've seen a lot of great response to summer school. Uh, so we're doing two courses this year. The first one is Theology Boot Camp. This course is actually full, but we do have a wait list. So we would love for you to sign up for that if this is something you're interested in. The second course that we're doing though is Alpha. Alpha is a great course if you're new to faith or maybe you've been Christian for a long time, but you kind of want to go back to basics a little bit. It's a great course for you to be a part of. So we would love for you to sign up for, uh, for either for Alpha or the wait list for our Theology Bootcamp course. And uh, you can do that going to slatechurch.com slash summer school. We would love to see you in class. Uh, the third thing I want to highlight is something that we're starting today, which is our new series that we're calling Home Blind. Uh, we're going to unpack a little bit more what that looks like over the next couple of weeks, but I just want to encourage you to, uh, to stay engaged with this one. It's a really cool series that we're doing that we really think is going to be uh, important for us as a church. So to kick us off with this new series is going to be Pastor Brandon. So why don't you get ready for the message, uh, get your Bible out, get your notebook out, let's lean in, let's engage, and let's be expectant for what God has in store for us today. So why don't you welcome Pastor Brandon. Hello Slate Church, it's so good to be with you today. Whenever you're watching this, whether it is live on Sunday morning at one of our summer service times, 9 or 10.30, or if you're watching on demand, we're just so glad that you would tune in and uh, be a part of what's happening here at Slate Church. God is doing incredible things, even in the midst of an online season. You know, uh, Jesus says in, in, his, in his word, uh, in the Bible, it says, uh, where two or more are gathered, I am there with them. And you know, as much as we sometimes wanna believe that that has to be in person, we know that uh, God can meet with us whether we're gathering digitally or whether we are in person. I long for the day when we do get to be in person. Uh, but until then, you know what? This is, uh, this is an incredible way for us to still uh, maintain unity as a church, hear the same message, continue in the direction that God has for us as a church, and even for those of us that will continue online afterwards, um, I mean, this is just an incredible way to make sure that we are planted in the house of God, being fed continuously, um, and making sure that uh, that uh, God is developing us and our spirits in the same direction alongside everyone who attends Slate Church alongside us. So it's so good to have you. My name is Brandon Richardson. If we haven't met, I would, I mean, I look forward to meeting, whether that's meeting in person or online sometime. Uh, I look forward to meeting at some point. Uh, but uh, I, I, I pastor here alongside my wife, Emma, and we pastored alongside the incredible Luke and Victoria Betker. You know, this has been quite the season for us as a church, getting used to online and, and uh, even just figuring out some things on the back end that will uh, uh, help us to excel into the future. We're really excited because in the coming weeks, in the coming months, we're going to be unveiling more and more things that are going to be pretty exciting for our church. You know, we have never been a church that's just taken uh, the most status quo uh, way of doing things or the easiest way of doing things and just ran with it. We're always continually innovating and doing all that we can to actually um, continue to reach people that are far from God in the best way possible, as well as disciple those who have already um, decided to follow Jesus. And so a lot of those things are going to be coming out. But in the meantime, uh, we're just so excited for what God is doing right now. And uh, we just encourage you to stay tuned because those things are 
coming. You know, that's a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about status quo and a whole bunch of different things. And uh, I'm really excited for that. But why don't we just bow our heads? We're going to pray and then we're going to jump into uh, what I believe that God has for us today. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, you're incredible. You are uh, our Father, you're our Heavenly Father. God, you really care about all of us and where we find ourselves today. And so God, I pray for those that are lonely, that you would comfort them. Those that are feeling down, that you would lift their spirits. God, those of us that uh, have vision, that we would make sure it's centered on you. Jesus, whatever it is we need from you, God, we pray that our lives would be centered upon you so we may uh, make decisions that are in your will. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, exciting news. Today we are starting a new series called Home Blind. Now, now is really when we're doing a new series is when we would intro what that means and everything else. But this entire message is introing the Home Blind ser uh, series for us as a church. It doesn't mean that um, there's not going to be any sub substance in this message. It just means that I'm going to kick it off. And then over the next nine, eight or nine weeks, we're actually going to be going through this series. We're really excited for it and, uh, and really excited for what uh, this is going I mean, today we're going to be talking about this idea of making a house a home, taking the house of God and actually making it a home, a place where we dwell uh, and where we plant ourselves so that we might flourish. That's scriptural. And uh, when we look at this idea of uh, making a house a home, I'm drawn to a few different passages in scripture. I'm going to be mentioning a few different passages in scripture. And the best idea is to be taking notes during this message because I don't have time to get into every verse. I don't have time to read it verbatim. I'm going to be doing a lot of um, uh, uh, encapsulating the idea and paraphrasing. And that's not because I don't want to read it word for word. It's just that we don't have enough time in order to cover all that we need to cover uh, today while we're, we're, while we're speaking in order to communicate what God's um, placed on uh, my heart and our hearts actually as lead pastors for this season of our church, okay? So we're going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 5 because in Matthew chapter 5, we have the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Hill, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's here where Jesus is beginning his teaching ministry to the world in which he finds himself. The ancient Near East uh, has never seen somebody like Jesus. I mean, they've had um, rabbis, they've had um, uh, philosophers, they've had um, uh, disciples listening to teachers, but they've never met a man like Jesus because Jesus is not only a man, he's God with flesh on. And Jesus is starting his teaching ministry. And in Matthew chapter five, he addresses a whole bunch of different things. Uh, this is where we get the blesseds, right? You know, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunt are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He goes through all these different uh, 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 things where people are blessed, where we might look at them one uh, in one way uh, through the fl flesh and through our worldly eyes, but God is actually doing something well beneath the surface. And, and that should be an encouragement to you today, that maybe you feel like you're on the uh, wrong side of the ledger today. Maybe you feel like you have been handed a bad, uh, a, 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 been handed a bad deal of cards. Maybe you feel like you've um, uh, you've received the the wrong end of the stick. Whatever it might be, I just want to encourage you today that God has a narrative that he wants to flip on your head, that you don't have to receive the narrative that maybe the world would throw at you, or maybe you would even throw at yourself, but you can trust in the word of God because while the world and yourself might think one thing's going on, God actually has something completely different prepared for you. So the Sermon on the Mount starts with this. 
flipping the narrative on the head. And then it goes into talking about you are the salt of the world, you are the light of the world, and we need to actually bring the God colors, we need to bring the God seasoning to the world. Um, he talks about he, how he is a fulfillment of the law. He talks, he raises the stakes on things like murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and uh, this idea that we should repay eye for an eye. He rewrites the whole thing. He basically says, you heard it one way, but I'm telling you another. If you've never read the Beatitudes, again, this is where I encourage you, read from Matthew 5 all the way to Matthew chapter 7, where you're going to receive an entirely new teaching on what it looks like to live in this world and follow Jesus as Christ followers. He sets this off, and then basically he lives it out and continues to teach his disciples all the way from Matthew chapter 5, or yeah, Matthew chapter 5 to 7, all the way to Matthew chapter 28 where he actually gives a great commission. And the great commission just says, all authority in heaven, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse eight, uh, 28, verse 18, all authority uh, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're not sure what, at what point in Jesus' life that that teaching comes or where that direction comes, uh, that comes out after Jesus has already died and rose again from the grave and he's about to ascend back into heaven. So where we start, we have Jesus teaching to his disciples while he's walking on the earth for three years. Then he gives them this great commission to go. Um, then we find ourselves in the book of Acts. That's essentially the next progression of after Jesus ascends into heaven, the early church begins to live this out. And the book of Acts in the Bible is an incredible collection of stories and history of the early church and what Jesus started to do through them. Acts chapter three is Peter speaking to a crowd of thousands of people and 3,000 people putting their hope in Jesus Christ after uh, Peter himself has been filled with the Holy Spirit and preaches with conviction. After Acts, we get the following of what the church begins to do. In fact, some uh, uh, theologians would suggest that Acts 29 is the era that we currently live in, which is Acts chapter, Acts uh, ends at Acts uh, chapter 28, but Acts chapter 9 is us as the church beginning to, con or, or continually living out this call to go and make disciples. Okay, so why am I giving this kind of broken up uh, history of when Jesus came, gave his first teaching, told his church to go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit? Why am I talking about the early church started to do and now what our responsibility is as a church? It's because we're talking about the idea of, be, of making a house a home. Those who dwell in the house of the Lord will be fulfilled. Those who dwell in the house of the Lord will actually uh, draw on the strength of the Lord. You see, we need to make a house at home. In the, in the beginning of Jesus' teaching, he's giving them an idealized version of what their life should look like as they follow him. The only problem is, is that he's talking to a bunch of fishermen. He's talking to a bunch of prostitutes. He's talking to a bunch of lawbreakers. He's talking to a bunch of uh, tax collectors. He's talking to a bunch of sinners. Everybody always had this problem with Jesus that he was always hanging out with sinners. Yet Jesus understood that a doctor doesn't come to heal the already well. He comes to heal the sick. That's why for us as Christians, if we look around and our only friends are those that also attend church, we are going to be in, in an incredibly bad place as we try to reach people that don't know Jesus yet because we don't know where to go. We don't know how to do that. We don't know where, how do you, how do you reach people that are far from Jesus when I don't know anybody that's far from Jesus. In Matthew chapter five, 
life. He's presenting an idealized version of what it looks like for them to live their life after following Jesus because he understands that there's a lot of work to do. When he commissions the church to go and make disciples, he's essentially saying, hey, all those lessons I've been teaching since Matthew chapter five, you now need to live that out and also start to teach other people. He's starting to ingrain that, listen, being a part of me and following me isn't just about thinking that I'm a good person or you kind of like the, uh, the, 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 the scriptures that I teach to throw up on your Instagram, but you actually need to take this stuff and actually make it who you are. You need to make a house a home. And Slate Church, that's what we've tried to do ever since we started as a church almost three years ago, is take the scriptures of Jesus, take the teachings of Jesus, take the mission that Jesus has placed on our church to go and reach people that are far from him and build a large, influential, Christ-centered church that loves God and loves others. I know I missed one in there, that's okay. But we have been called to do this and we start to make a house a home as we all go on this journey together. That's an incredibly difficult thing to do because the idea of coming to Jesus and living out the life of Jesus are two incredibly different things. The first thing is justification. When we come to Jesus, we have rose-colored glasses. We are so excited. So many of us, when we put our hope in Jesus, we're so incredibly stoked for the journey that is that lies before us because the justification of God has come upon us. Justification means that when we trust in Jesus, we are made right with Jesus. There's nothing else we need to do to be uh, in order to be accepted by Jesus other than receiving the gift of salvation that Jesus paid for us while he was on on the cross. He um, he died a sinner's death to redeem us as sinners, although he had no sin. That justifies us before God, and we actually get to come into relationship with him without having to do anything ourselves. This is the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It's an absolutely incredible. That's justification. Sanctification is the idea that once we receive from Jesus, once we are made right with Jesus, we need to be made like Jesus. We actually need to go on the path of sanctification, which means we are discipled by Jesus, we grow uh, in our likeness to Jesus, and we actually begin to make this, this bodily house a home for Jesus to dwell in, and we actually begin to lean into who he is. As a church, we also need to go on this process. Uh, so many, I know, get so excited when they come to Slate Church and they're like, man, this is the most incredible thing. But how long does it take us to realize that everybody a part of Slate Church is just humans on the exact same journey of faith that we are? And how easy is it for us to judge the fellow humans around us on their journeys of faith and get frustrated that they're, oh man, that person's being a human. Oh man, that person's being a sanctified individual. They're growing in holiness. And we get so upset with them because they haven't completed their process of sanctification. The only problem with that is that uh, that process of sanctification lasts until either we die or Jesus comes back and and uh, and and the rest of eternity is started from that point. So we have to get used to this idea of making a house a home in order to actually realize that we're never going to be satisfied with an earthly church unless we are tuned into an everlasting spirit, the spirit of Jesus that unifies us all. Okay, so I want to talk about this idea of home blind. I can remember. Uh, uh, walking into the very first home that we uh, that we ever bought. Okay, uh, Emma and I were um, pastoring at the time. I was making um, I wanted to say diddly squat, but honestly, if you're making anything at all, uh, that's I mean that that's great. Okay, so I don't want to minimize what we we're making, but it should not have bought us a home. 
I remember being at a Starbucks and getting the call. I didn't even do the walkthrough of the home uh, uh, the first time. I remember getting a call from Emma and she said, hey, uh, Brandon, I think that we found the one. I'm here with my parents. It's got this, 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 and this. And we're just getting so excited, so excited. I'm like, okay, let's tell our realtor. We messaged him, Jamie Kubasek. I'm not getting paid for this, but uh, hey, Jamie, if you want to pay, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. But uh, I remember walking through the house with him and, uh, and, and, and thinking, man, this is incredible. Now you gotta understand, when you buy your first home, it's absolutely incredible. Similar to coming to church for the first time. You're like, this place is amazing. Similar to tuning in for the first time. Wow, this is this is so life-giving. This I, I never I didn't even think church could be done this way. And so many of us approach with rose-colored glasses the first time we walk into a house. We're like, man, this is amazing. And it doesn't take you too quick with your first home to realize that this might be your first home, but there's gonna be some stuff that or your first house rather, but you're gonna have to do a few things in order to make this a home. Because while uh, it's certainly a house, there's somebody else that's been living here and we're going to have to change some stuff up. You know, it was uh, interesting because as we walked through, there were some things that I knew we needed to change. Uh, first of all, the entire kitchen had to go. The kitchen had this awful tile. It had this yellow, um, these yellow walls. Uh, I, I remember uh, having to basically change up the entire thing because it just wasn't, uh, it, it, it wasn't appeasing. There were a few rooms in the house and closets and that, those sorts of things that were just deep purple. The whole thing was purple. Uh, in fact, um, the trim around the house was purple, uh, uh, including the walls inside the closet. So just imagine like the deepest purple you can find. Yeah, some of the stuff in the house was that deep purple that had to go. The most interesting thing was when we went down into the basement, Emma and I were like, this is amazing. And we we're doing the walkthrough and it was just filled with board games, okay? So really there was this massive room it's like a family room, had this nice plush carpet, which probably needed to go, but we actually kind of liked it. It was soft and cozy. And uh, the only things in the room were against one wall. There was an entire wall of just board games. And then in the middle of this room, there was a table to play board games on. That was it. That was all that was in the room. Like, okay, you know, there's a few things to change, but like, you know, this room's nice. We can envision it being a nice family room. And so we said, you know what, let's go for the house. So we bought the house and then we moved in. Well, we went in and we started doing all the things that we wanted to do, right? So we changed the kitchen. Uh, we got rid of this deep purple closet uh, and all the trim that still had the purple on it. We, we painted it all up, feeling really good about it. Um, as we did, you know, the walkthrough after we bought the house and all the stuff was moved out, we walked back down into the basement. Um, one of the cool stories in this basement is that this was actually a, a basement that was used um, for poker nights, not just any poker nights. Uh, There's a group of friends that started having poker nights in that board game basement. And as it continued on and on and on, it started to gain traction. In fact, uh, that room was the host of something called Bristol Street Poker and Waterloo, where they would actually um, broadcast poker games from the basement that we, uh, that we bought. Pretty cool story. But as we walked in, we didn't care about that story at all because what we began to realize is that behind that wall of board games was actually an awful fireplace, a, a fake fireplace that had like a fake um, uh, brick wall and then had like this area for a fake fireplace that had been taken away. And we didn't even know it was there when we walked through the house. And so of course, Em and I looked at each other and we're like, that's gotta change, right? That's gotta change. Well, it's interesting because over the course of two years of living there, we never changed it. 
And that's exactly what we're talking about in this series when we talk about home blind. When we're making a house a home, there's so many things that when we do a walkthrough or we move in, we're like, that's gotta change, that's gotta change, that's gotta go, we gotta change that. There's so many different things that we wanna change, but we just start to live with it over time because it just starts to become a part of our surroundings. In fact, we start, you know, saying things. I remember you look at Emma and you're like, it's not that bad. It's kind of cool having like a fake brick wall in our basement, isn't it? Isn't it cool to have like a little space that something's supposed to go that people are, you know, uh, ask, you know, what, what's going on over there? And we get to tell a cool story. Isn't it kind of nice to have that feature in our basement? And it's amazing what we will justify as we start to grow home blind to it. In fact, we, as we start to grow home blind in the places that we live, we stop recognizing those things altogether. In fact, we just start stop um, recognizing that they need to change whatsoever. It's interesting because uh, this is exactly what happens to us as we follow Jesus in our own lives. We meet Jesus and, and we hear a great message uh, as we follow Jesus and, and we read something in scriptures or we read a book that is unveiling new scriptural th- or new spiritual things to us as Christians and we go, I gotta change that. But all of a sudden over time as we continue to live and, and we continue to do life, we just start to go, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, maybe that habit isn't so bad after all. Maybe it's just something that I got to live with. Maybe that doesn't really need to go. And we start living with things that actually should change rather than focusing on them and coming to our senses that maybe there was a reason why we didn't want that in our lives to begin with. Home blind is a little bit like somebody farting in the car and us just getting used to the stench. I know that's a disgusting picture, but it's exactly what happens when we allow sin to fester in our lives or we become responsible for something, changing something in God's local church, and we just start to live with it because you know what, maybe it's not so bad after all. We need to realize that home blind is a really, um, a really serious thing that can really prohibit the growth of what God wants to do, even through our church. You know, and I'm not just talking about some other church that you look and you're like, why do they still do things that way? I'm talking to us as a church. I'm talking to everybody that calls Slate Church home, both online and those of you that attend Slate Church in person when we're doing that. Because for those of us that look around when we come to Slate Church, at first it's great, it's our first house, we're gonna make this a home. And we start to realize some of the things that may, oh, I didn't realize that, oh, it's not perfect. Oh, that maybe we're not caring for people the way that we need to, that, oh, maybe this place is full of humans? And so often we say that for those of us that recognize the things that maybe God wants to continue to sanctify in our church or continue to grow in our church or continue to do in our church, we actually, we actually forget that maybe if we're recognizing it, we're the very ones called to help grow that in our church. And yet we start to give up on it and we start criticizing it rather than doing something about it. And this is what it means to be home blind. You know, one of my all-time favorite books uh, called The Power of Habit by a guy named Charles Duhigg. He talks about a guy named uh, Eugene. Eugene lives in Southern California. He was a normal operating individual. Uh, He was 71 years old. And one day he came down with a fever. Now, I know fevers trigger a lot of us in this COVID season, but it wasn't COVID. This was before COVID. Comes down with a fever and he gets an infection in his brain that leaves him forgetting most of life. In fact, um, you know, you'd walk into a room and 
he used to work on computers. You'd walk into a doctor's office and they're trying to figure out what was going on in his mind and he'd see a computer and you go, wow, that's amazing. Did you know that that, um, I used to work on computers and it would take six racks to carry what is done in that little thing. And then they'd say, okay, come with us, Eugene, to this other room and he'd go sit down in the room as if he didn't even just say what he said and he noticed another computer. That's a nice computer. Did you know that I used to um, uh, work on computers that needed six racks to carry all of the things that used to, that are in that small little computer? Oh, thanks Eugene for doing the test. Let's go back into this room. He'd go back into the same room that he was. Did you know back in my day, and he would just repeat the same thing over and over and over again. He had lost his mind. He, he, he had lost his short-term memory. And so his wife, um, I had to be very careful. In fact, she'd have to make sure that he didn't wander off because she was worried that he would get lost. And they're trying to figure out all this different stuff that was going on. He forgot his grandkids' names. He forgot his children's names. He forgot um, uh, very basic things like the, the address to his house. And he forgot all these different things. Well, one day while his wife was showering, um, and she would take quick showers so that he wouldn't just wander around and, and get lost and that sort of thing, all of a sudden Eugene goes missing. It just goes missing and he's walking around and she starts freaking out and she starts knocking on neighbor's doors and maybe, uh, uh, you know, this house looks like ours in our neighborhood. Maybe we just waltz, waltzed in there. And she's so um, upset because she knows that, like, I mean, this guy, is, is he's not going to be able to get back home. And so anyway, she's freaking out. She's yelling all over the neighborhood, Eugene, Eugene, Eugene. And she goes back home and there he is sitting in her living room. And she goes, what, what's, what's going on? what are you doing here? Like, where did you go? And he didn't really know. He's just, I've been sitting here, you know? So over the next few weeks, what she starts to realize is he's escaping from the house and he goes for a walk and he'll come back sometimes with a pine cone or a puppy. He doesn't realize or even know where he got it from, but he goes for these walks by himself and he never gets lost. Well, this piques researchers' minds and they go, why is this guy never getting lost? Why is he able to walk outside of his house, but he doesn't even know his own address, but he's able to return home? And this is where they start studying something called the basal ganglia in our minds. And it's a very primitive, uh, they would describe it as a very primitive part of our brains that just records habits and things that we do habitually over time. And what it what, what the basal ganglia does, it allows us to operate habitually and uh, allows us to just do the same thing over and over again without really even thinking about it. So while his short-term memory had been lost and a lot of his long-term memory, he was able to do things uh, over and over again that he had always done. In fact, his wife was able to begin to trust him to go on walks every single day, multiple times a day, and he was staying healthy because of it without ever having to worry because he had done it so many times previous to his accident, previous to this thing impacting his mind, that he was able to do it over and over and over again. There's a um, a theologian that studies um, uh, that that studies society and um, culture at large. His name is James K. A. Smith, and he wrote uh, uh, wrote a book um, all about loves and you're, you're the, you are what you love. He has this other phrasing that he says, "You are what you habitually do." He's arguing for us to develop great habits in order to not just conform our minds to, to Christ, but actually to, to to put ourselves into patterns that will allow us to stay close to Christ. I want to encourage you today to think about what this. 
uh, means for you uh, when it comes to the idea of home blind. Because for so many of us, when we look at the the habits of or the teachings of Jesus, and then the calling to actually go and and make disciples of Jesus and be a disciple ourselves, and we study what the early church was doing, and miracles were happening, and uh, crazy stuff was happening, and and uh, uh, people far from God were coming to Jesus, not just in in the hundreds, but the thousands. And we look at all this, and now we live in an Acts 29 era where we're supposed to make a house a home, and we're supposed to call others home and say, hey, welcome home. We're supposed to make this house a home. We so often forget that it's what we habitually do that will actually make that a reality for us. James K. Smith emphasizes that it's what we habitually do that, 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 that we actually become as individuals. And I wonder today, what is it that you habitually do that is actually causing you to miss out maybe on what God wants you to do in making this house called Slate a home for not just yourself, but actually for others? I don't have time to go into the four different points that I wanted to make today due to time, but I do want to just briefly highlight some of those things. Um, because it's interesting, for so many of us, we actually go on autopilot missing that Jesus actually has a great call on our lives in order to make this house, this, this house called Slate, a home for ourselves and so many others where we can be sanctified in Christ. I wonder, have you grown familiar in your habits, in your habitual life? Have you grown familiar with what Christ has called you to? Have you grown familiar with this house called Slate that he's called, help, uh, uh, called you to come alongside and help build? Have you grown familiar or are you remaining awestruck? You know, there's one story in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapters uh, 5 to 6, where the Ark of the Covenant has um, uh, has, has um, not been in uh, uh, in Israel. The Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God um, represented in this thing called the Ark that they would carry around with them, the priests would carry around, and it represented the, 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 the presence of God. During that time, literally, it housed the presence of God. And... Uh, there's a story that how David, King David, was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant because it was giving the captors of the presence of God, the Philistines, some troubles because, uh, well, when you mishandle the presence of God, bad things happen. That's a whole nother message. Um, but uh, this, uh, they're carrying it back and it, and it slips and a guy named uh, Uzziah um, goes and... Uh, and he tries to catch the presence of God. And as he touches the, the ark, our ark of the covenant of God, he actually dies. And it looks on the outside like, why does he die for just trying to make sure that the Ark of the Covenant doesn't fall? But Uzziah had spent seven years with the presence of God as it was in a holding place before it came back into Israel. He knew the rules of the Ark of the Covenant. And one of them was don't touch the, the Ark of the Covenant of God. You don't do that. You carry it with poles. You do not touch it physically. But he had grown familiar. He had grown complacent with the presence of God. I wonder if you have grown familiar with the presence of God in your life. In fact, I wonder if you've grown familiar with Slate as a whole, because sometimes we just go about our lives forgetting that God actually wants us to build this church and not just accept it as it is. Hey, there's more people that need to be loved in this church. There's more organization to be brought to this church. There's more depth of theology to be brought to our church. We don't want to grow home blind to the things that actually need to be built on in our church. Listen, we're under no, uh, uh, we're, we're under no veil or, 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 um, um, 
We don't have blinders on as lead pastors when it comes to the work that still needs to be done even in our church. We're only three years old. We can't expect ourselves to be adults as a church yet. We're still growing into all that God has for us. And I really believe that there's some significant things that he's done, but we can't grow familiar to the way things are and miss out on the calling to which God wants us to continue to build in his church. I wonder, have we become habitually unaware that we are actually critical in our spirit, spirits and, uh, and forgetting that God has actually called us to more? It is so easy to grow critical towards what God is trying to build in his church. It is so easy to actually... Um, it's so easy to actually just become somebody who stands on the sidelines contributing, uh, 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 criticizing those that are actually doing the work in front of you. It's so easy to say, well, I'm only criticizing because I'm not in a position of leadership. And if I were, well, then I would make some changes. You know, the only way to actually find yourself in a position of leadership in God's church, whether it's Slate or anywhere else, or even just um, in being used for God uh, whatsoever, is just by actually getting involved and jumping in to the, to, uh, onto the the playing field. I love in Revelation uh, chapter 3 verse 15. You can look it up again. I'm going to paraphrase, but Jesus is talking to the church and some of the things he's getting frustrated at as he prepares to come back uh, uh, for uh, in, in his second coming. And in uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 15, he says, I wish you were high, uh, either hot uh, uh, or cold, but because you are neither, I will spew you out of my mouth. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of effort or energy or discipline to just stand in the middle all the time. Uh, when somebody's hot, you remain cold. And when they're cold, you remain hot. And in the end, you just remain lukewarm because you're actually not on the playing field at all. You're just throwing uh, fruit at the person on stage or you're just, um, you know, the whole idea of a bad joke and, and they throw fruit at the, uh, the person on, uh, the comedian on stage or or you're the one throwing the drink from the stands at the people that are actually on the playing field. It doesn't actually take a whole lot of effort to do that at all. And so for some of us, what we have become a familiar in and what we have just made habitual in our lives is actually just remain, maintaining a critical spirit. But listen, if we're going to make a house a home, we need to go from critical to actually being action oriented. We have a phrase at Slate Church that we love um, to, to say over and over again because it encapsulates what we want to see out of every single person tuning in today, that you would move from a consumer to a contributor. Now listen, you need to be a consumer in order to be a good contributor. If you're not consuming or or um, uh, feeding on the word of God or, or 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 receiving from Him, you're going to be a terrible contributor. But to remain as a consumer means that you will actually become a criticizer of the contributors. And what we actually need to realize is that in order to be hot or cold and just make a stance, we either got to say, are we in or are we out? Are we going to build this church or are we not? God would rather you say, hey, you know what? I'm not here to build it. than actually just come around and just criticize all the time. He wants you to say, are you in or are you out? I need, I'm going to spew you out of your mouth if you're not in this thing. But I'm going to spew you out of your mouth if you're just kind of like, well, I want to see. God wants us to not just become home blind to the fact that maybe we just have a critical spirit and we need to actually wake up to the place that he wants us to contribute in order to make this house at home. I wonder, have you become passive in your, in your walk with God? Have you become passive to what he's doing, wants to do through this church? So often when it comes to becoming home blind, I realize that the reason I become home blind is just that I'm too busy to pick up on the things that I once noticed. Isn't that an interesting thing? 
that it takes somebody else to come into my home to recognize the things that I've been living with. You know, we never, in the previous home that we lived in, really recognized that wall that we never completed. We just lived with it. But as soon as somebody else came over, we were making apologies for it. Oh yeah, you know, we're probably gonna get to doing that thing, you know, because all of a sudden fresh eyes give you a fresh perspective and a fresh spirit for what you actually should be doing. And so often I find that when we become passive towards what God wants us to do in the church, it's because we're actually just too busy to recognize the things that he wants us to work on. I often think of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22, read it right after this message, where he comes and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus gives us a bunch of things to do. The main thing that he ends with is, Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, he's not telling you to do that across the screen. He's telling you to be generous and maintain generosity, absolutely. But he was trying to get at the one thing that the rich young ruler hadn't given up. But the rich young ruler is living in the fast lane of life and he can't imagine giving up something that would take, back, take away from the life that he was living. Listen, building the local church and pouring into something, not just taking um, uh, withdrawals from that thing, is going to take you work. And we need to realize that we will remain home blind to what God wants to do through our lives and the ways in which he wants to build our church if we just remain way too busy and we remain passive in what he wants to do. I wonder if we can move from passivity to intentionality as a church. I don't have much more time to go into the final uh, point that I was going to say. And, and honestly, we could break this all up into each uh, of its own messages in and of, it, in and of itself. And we're going to be talking about a lot of different things in this Home Blind series. I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about things as pastors that maybe we believe our church has grown a little home blind in in this season ourselves. The value of community, the, um, the um, importance of, uh, of, uh, uh, of, of honoring God's house and respecting God. Not, not, not just respecting in general, but actually respecting and revering God. We're gonna be talking about things like evangelism. Maybe we've grown uh, home blind to that ourselves. Maybe we've, it's gone undetected that we're actually just living for ourselves and not reaching out to others. There is gonna be eight weeks of some pretty hot topics uh, that we wanna go through. Things that maybe in an online season, we've just grown home blind to. Maybe we've become familiar with it. Maybe we've become more critical than we have uh, willing to be contributors. Maybe we've just grown passive and we need to be intentional. Whatever it is, this is gonna be an incredible summer for us as a church. We've got a lot of great things happening like, um, uh, like summer school and those sorts of things. And we're really excited for what this series is gonna do for our church as we head into the fall. Again, we're not gonna wait eight weeks to do some pretty cool things as a church. Um, but at the end of these eight weeks, we really believe that there is gonna be something really exciting for us to look forward to as a church, as we look forward to what God is gonna to continue to build in our church, even while we find ourselves in an online world. Listen, maybe you're on the other side of this and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Uh, and if that's you, why don't you just bow your heads? Maybe you're listening to this and you're going, wow, I, I would love to have that kind of purpose in my life where 
I could give my life to building something like that. Or maybe you just never heard the message of Jesus that I mentioned earlier, that Jesus actually paid a price for your sin that you don't have to pay yourself. Whatever it is, I wanna lead you in a prayer today. In fact, I wanna pray for you. If you're making that decision right now, if you're watching on demand, I just pray that you make that decision in your heart as I begin to pray for you. If you're watching live at one of our nine or 10.30 summer services, I'd encourage you in the chat right now, there's an opportunity to just raise your hand. Indicate that you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus today. Whatever it is, I wanna pray for you. God, we know it says in your word, whoever believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. We'll spend eternity with you. It means that when we die, we actually get to spend our eternity with you in heaven rather than ultimately in hell. But God, we also know that this means great things for our life right now, that we get to walk through the trials of life with you on our side and ultimately with your spirit inside of us. So God, everybody making this decision right now, I pray that you would encourage them through your Holy Spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, Pastor Victoria is gonna come back and give you more direction on what it looks like, uh, what, what the next steps for you look like as you've made this decision to follow Jesus. I wanna pray for anybody uh, today as well that maybe has grown home blind. This whole intro, in fact, encouragement uh, today is actually leading you to a place of going, you know what, I need to, I need to bear down. I need to actually start to wake up to the things that I've just been accepting as reality, both in my life, maybe even in church life. Why don't you just bow your heads if that's you. Maybe you even need to raise a hand. Maybe there's people around, who cares? Maybe that's what you need to do in order to outwardly express what God's been doing in you inwardly. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I pray for all of us that have grown home blind in this season, that you'd wake us up. Wake us up. God, help us to be awestruck at what you are actually doing in our church during this season. God, we're excited for the series. Um, called Home Blind that we're going to be going through as a church. We just pray, God, that you would, God, that you would guide us in these next couple of months together as we begin to discuss the things that we need to grow in as a church. Maybe we become home blind too. Jesus, we're relying on your spirit to sanctify us, we pray. For all this in your name. Amen. Well, hey, church, it's been a great morning or evening, afternoon, whenever you're watching this. Thank you for spending some time with us. Make sure you're still sharing this on social media. Make sure you're still inviting people to church. All of the rest of that, we've got a great summer ahead of us. We love you. See you soon. Well, hey, thank you, Pastor Brandon, for that incredible message. Let's make sure that we really take this with us into our week, that we are encouraged not to become home blind and, and really actually apply this message that we've heard today. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, again, that is the best decision that you could ever make, and we are so excited for you. Uh, we would love to connect with you, answer any questions that you might have, because the, this, is, this decision is just the beginning of your journey with Jesus. So we would love for you to fill out one of our Connect cards. You, Again, it's gonna come up here in the chat if you're watching at one of our service times, or you can go to our website and fill that out because again, we just wanna to get to know you and, and do life with you. Uh, we also have something happening after all of our services that's called Next Steps, and that's really what it is. It's about you taking your next step here at Slate Church in your faith. Uh, it's a Zoom call that happens after both of our services where you get to meet some of our leaders, some of our site pastors, and uh, they just, talk to you a little bit more about the mission of our church, our values, who we are, a little bit of our story, and again, an opportunity for you to ask questions. Nothing awkward, it's super great. <laughs> we would love to see you there at Next Steps, happening after the service. And parents, 
Make sure that you stick around because we have something happening for the kids. Slate Kids is happening. So make sure you are sticking around for that and, and just lean into that. It's so great to see the kids being able to, to see their leaders, see their friends, and, and just engage with church. Well, it's been a great service. We are praying for you as you're heading out into this week. Be blessed. Make sure that you stay engaged. Follow us on social media so you can be up to date with everything that is happening here at Slate Church. Have a great week. Kenzie, how's it going? Good, 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 good. Hi, Slate Kids. Slate Kids is now. Slate Kids is now.